comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to The Black Box. Welcome back to The Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode features special guest Matt Burden. Uh, He's been a previous guest on this podcast before, whether he was talking about 80s movies, 90s movies, or action films, that is, video games, Planet of the Apes with myself and Gabriel Hardman. Uh, He's done a lot of things on this podcast, and he's back on the show as we talk and get in-depth about the formation of Future Pro Wrestling, a.k.a. FPW. It's a wrestling federation that Matt, along with some very close friends of his, decided to form, and it's been blowing up the spot over the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, they won a 2012 uh, Promotion of the Year Award uh, from Alternative Wrestling Magazine. Um, they also have a brand new website at www.fpwuk.com. They also received props um, during their uh, second anniversary of uh, their existence uh, featuring uh, Jeremy Borash from TNA, a.k.a. Total Nonstop Action Wrestling. So people do know what FPW is about, but we're going to talk a little bit more about this wrestling federation that they're doing, talk about podcasting, talk about social media, just talk about how all these things correlate. So it's a really nice convo. So you know what? Let's just go ahead and get to our feature presentation. For those who are unfamiliar with the voice that is on the other side of the line, uh, this gentleman from the UK has been on the podcast, on the Black Box, a number of times before, sometimes talking about your favorite 80s action movies, sometimes talking about old school video games at the arcade and whatnot, Um, even talking about old school movies like Jurassic Park, which is now in 3D because it's celebrating... uh, Man, it was like 20-something years, I think. It can't be 20-something years, because Alec Berry's not 20 yet, and that's his favorite movie. It oh, can't be. it can't be. It can't be. Oh, I'm, I'm no, trying... it is. Sorry, I feel old immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the gentleman that we're talking to is not only... Um, he's a podcaster, he's a writer. He's part of the up-and-coming professional wrestling company over in the UK that's taking the world by storm, known as FPW, Future Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen... The one and only Matt Burden. Matt, how you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm very good, thank you. I'm halfway through a banana and desperately trying to chew it off mic. So I'm doing good. <laughs> hey, hey man, you gotta get those nutrients in, man. Yeah. You know, like I, I like I blame I blame the missus for getting me uh, hooked on bananas when I was uh, training for a half marathon. Um I would have to eat a banana every morning for breakfast, or when I would finish my run, I'd have a banana. So now I have to have bananas in my life. And as long as you dispose of the peel in a responsible fashion, I don't care. Because you could sabotage a marathon with all of those peels, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's a myth. My mum once tripped over or slipped on a pineapple skin, which I found hilarious, of all the things. That is beyond random. Mm. 
And at the time, um, she was here. This is where it becomes even more random. Um, we were walking. It was it was evening time, uh, autumn ish, and uh, for some reason, somebody was setting off fireworks. And we were walking through the streets in my local town, and a firework went up over a house a few miles away. And she looked up, saw the firework, didn't look down, and trod on the one thing that you wouldn't expect to see lying on the pavement, which was a pineapple skin. <laughs> Slip, fell, bruised. I was in fits because I was, you know, 12, 13 years old and right. had no laugh uh, filter and pointed at the same time. So I got in a lot of trouble for that. But of all the things, like people always say it's, it's an urban myth. Nobody actually trips on banana skins. Other fruit does count. So my mum is testament to that. No, I, now I once tripped on a banana peel. Um, as a kid or what happened was was that um, one of my uncles ate a banana and and, um, he thought he threw it away and he tossed it in the the basement because in the basement we had you know we had tv as we're basically where where all the kids play all the kids played in the basement at my grandma's house and like I've seen American television I know where the children play yeah okay okay Okay, cool (laughs) uh, put them in the basement (laughs) just put them in the basement but like you know the furnace and the creepy serial killer oh yeah but you know we had a tv down there and and a vcr and and um and toys and comic books down there so we just all would just go to the basement and one of my uncles ate a banana and he tossed it toward the trash can and he came nowhere close to hitting the trash can. And he figured he'd pick it up in a little bit, I guess. Well, I don't know how long that little bit was, because I came downstairs all excited to, uh, you know, to play with some Transformers and whatnot. And I, I came downstairs, came running, hit that last step, took three steps to the basement, hit that banana peel, straight out of a sitcom, dude. Bam! Now, here's the thing. This basement has no carpet. Ooh. So it is just hard concrete. So, needless to say, Sean was not happy. But the thing is, you only get about twenty percent sympathy from your parents because when when it when the facts come to bear that it was a banana skin, for some reason, the brain immediately just reacts with, "Oh, it was a banana skin. That was destined to happen. It's just simply seen out its purpose. It's fulfilled its destiny. It's caused somebody to trip over. Oh, it's comedic. <laughs> Therefore, twenty percent ah, but you know, eighty <laughs> percent no, no, yeah, no. unfortunately. Or better yet, why were you running? Oh, okay. That that's 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 the excuse I got. Why were you running? I'm like, I was going downstairs because I was excited. Well, you should have walked. You should walk next time when you walk downstairs. You can see the banana peel and you won't slip on it. To which then I said, Why would why would I expect another banana peel to be on the floor when I go back down to the basement? <laughs> to which your parents responded, Why are you asking questions? There was not a further question that was needed there, Sean. <laughs> I've told you not to run. You shouldn't have ran because if you're entering a room quickly excited to play with Transformers, those Transformers back in the day were hard and heavy and you could kill a man with an Optimus Prime cap. Mm-hmm. So if you'd have fallen over, you would have hurt yourself. So, no, I'm with you, Mum, definitely. <laughs> I'm always on your Mum's side because she took you to see Bloodsport. So. Yeah, I know. You know, I told my mom that too. Oh, good. Oh, but um, no, it's been a real long time since uh, Mm -hmm. since I've had you on the show, Matt. And you know, and in that time, you've had like a lot of things. You know, you and your friends have had a lot of things. You know, going for you, really great things. And you had mentioned you had mentioned on on this podcast a number of times about FPW, Future Pro Wrestling, and and things like that. But you know, but it's really risen and over like the last year or so, and. There have, you know, been a, like a lot of positive things in that. And like, and it's really been life changing for, you know, for you and the entire crew 
um, that put FPW together, doing these shows, uh, you know, the, the DVDs and, and like, you know, all the paraphernalia, even uh, the uh, World Wrestling uh, Entertainment uh, Corporation uh, reaching out to you via email. In, in regards to uh, Future Mania, which we'll get to later if we're allowed to talk about it. Oh, yeah. But, um, but no, you know, but like, think about it. Like, you know, like between you, me, a lot of us, you know, when we started doing things like, you know, like say, for instance, you starting up FPW, um, you and your friends starting up FPW. Before that, you was doing like, you know, podcasting. Um, you know, you dabbled a little bit in the comic books like with me. Um, you know, I started listening to podcasts. I, I wanted to do comics started doing comics, did podcasting and, you know, and I'm still doing podcasting. And now, you know, I'm in with Action Lab and, and also doing other things with like LOI Studios and stuff like that. And, and we're, you know, we, and this has only been in within a span of like, like to say, for instance, like the last like five, five to five to eight years, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like this big transition where, I, you know, and I don't know whether it's because, you know, we're at this age where it's like, where it's like, well, if we don't do this now, when are we actually going to do it? And there will never be a time. There will never be a perfect time to do it. So why don't we do it now? Or it's just one of those things where, you know what? Anything is possible with the proper plan and um, and, and the right people surrounding you. So let's do it because what can it hurt? Well, I think it's it's those things. Absolutely. But also it's technology and we'll probably get into the uh perils and pitfalls of podcasting and um the internet but for right or wrong the internet has made the world smaller um and made contact easier and um made advice easier to get and research easier to do um i blame my wife because she bought me an ipod <laughs> um, it's exact. You're absolutely right. Almost five years ago, for my birthday, um, and if it wasn't for that fact, I would never have plugged it into my laptop. And I think I think the Ricky Gervais podcast was probably the first one I listened to. And then it dawned on me that if there was one, if there was a comedy one, then surely there would be one about other subjects. And I literally typed in the word comics, and Eleven O'clock Comics was the first one that popped up. Mm-hmm. And um, that was around episode. I want to say kind of 14, 15 of 11 o'clock um, and just immediately downloaded those first ones and they're on 2.59 now, I think. Um, and I've listened every single week and, and if it wasn't for that show, none of this would have happened at all. Um, yeah, it, 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 I, I mean, I, I still, still maintain to this day, if it wasn't for 11 o'clock comics, I wouldn't be doing the wrestling um, <laughs> through a really bizarre kind of cause and effect course of events um, if I hadn't started calling that show, um, I never would have realized that, you know, you can have a voice somewhere and people actually respond and for better or worse, you know, listen to what you say and have a response for what you say. And then in turn, um, you know, other podcasts and contacts and goodness knows what come out of it. And lo and behold, a friend of mine from school sees, a half-assed comedy video that I decide to post every week on YouTube and says hang on a minute I need somebody to speak on a company that I'm thinking of putting together and I went to school with this dude I'll make contact and that's what happened that's exactly what happens to this day I guarantee you know if it wasn't for the fact that I'd started listening to EOC um, I doubt FPW would even exist
I think the first time I, like, I ever really listened to podcasts, um, it was during a time where I was doing consulting work. And this was like also during a period of time I was getting back into comics again. I was just like, you know, just like listening to like a lot of things. Because I used to listen to like a lot of NPR at the time. And I just got, I, like I said before, I got back into comics and I was reading and things like that. And, and I stumbled upon um, something about, um, it was like an interview with Dwayne McDuffie regarding the Static Shock cartoon. And it was just like, it was just a regular standard uh, um, text interview. So I said, okay, this is kind of cool. So I started listening to my NPR stuff again. And then through that, I found this podcast that it was only available via streaming. You couldn't download the episodes. And, I, and this is when podcasting was still a way, way, way new thing for me. Didn't really understand it much. And this gentleman had um, interviewed Dwayne McDuffie about uh, Justice League Unlimited. I was just blown away. I got to I got to find out more about Dwayne McDuffie's career, and he was just a very honest a very honest dude. And and like it made me because I, I knew the name Dwayne McDuffie from some of the comic books I read in the eighties, in early nineties. But it made me want to go back and go get the milestone stuff um, that I didn't get before. Um, it made me watch Static Shock more thoroughly and more consistently. All thanks to Dwayne McDuffie, and Dwayne McDuffie became a very big inspiration for me because of that. And from that show, when I got shipped out to Denver for almost two months, just flying back in and out every week for two months, I literally had nothing to do after work. Yeah, I could drive around, see the sights, eat some good food, and that was great. But, and I could also, you know, swing by some comic shops and I bought some comics when I was out there. But I still, you know, there are other things that I wanted to do or wanted to listen to. And that's when I first heard Comic Geek Speak you know that was and this was like in their early stages a little tiny show called comic gig screen you know, in, in way way <laughs> way way in the early ages of things well and, what's great well see now here's here's a odd not an odd course of events but how how bizarre is it and how small of a world is, is it that you know you're making those trips backwards and forwards to denver listening to comic gig speak in its virgence days and last year i go to a convention in london in my home city basically predicated on an idea that CGS had. Yeah. That is, that's just crazy to me. But it's kind of, I suppose, represents perfectly just how much... I think us in our th- mid to late 30s having these kind of... Why didn't I ever do that? I think the, the, whole, uh, the whole idea of having those thoughts of, why didn't I ever get around to that... Is we're almost rephrasing those things now simply because of the technology that's at our disposal. It's I haven't done that yet, right. so therefore let's get on and do it. As opposed to, isn't it a shame? There isn't any kind of not an excuse anymore because if you don't do it, then that's cool. That's you know your journey, but um, everything's just there at our disposal now, and it goes from three or four people sat in a garage talking about comics to all of a sudden inspiring thousands upon thousands of podcasts and all of a sudden they've got stan lee in my home city and i'm taking my son to see this show and i'm meeting the cgs guys it, it was it's just bizarre it's bizarre that you know you bring up that show and then it, it dawned on me that five years later here we are in london at a convention that cost thousands to put on right. and they were just dudes in a garage it's amazing yeah and, and and from what i was told that show over in london went really well Oh, kicked ass! And they did it. We did it. They did it again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were there's only two 
conventions that are kind of deemed not I don't want to sound snobbish because somebody will email in and say why don't you go to this convention or why don't you go to this convention but um, for me and the limited time I have and resources I have to kind of travel um, I, I do just tend to go to the to conventions in London and really the two that I found that I really like is the London Super Comic Con mm-hmm. and, and Kapow okay. and Kapow's by Mark Miller and uh, London Super Comic Con's you know, affiliated with the CGS guys. And it's kind of pure comics. Kapow, there's a few more movie stuff, but there isn't kind of that big gaming presence. And you can just have fun being comic booky for a lot. And Artist Alley is just awesome at both of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, London Super Comic Con was, was absolutely awesome. Both years running. I took my, I took my son um, both years and he loved it um, just as much both times. And he gets... It's not fair. They kids get too much free stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm getting jealous now. Like he passes by Artist Alley, and now they they're getting to recognise him, and they know him, and um, he's getting free. Mark, Mike Norton giving him free sketches. It's oh, <laughs> it's not fair. I need the, I need his eyes. I need his puppy dog eyes. That's what I need. So anyway, you were listening to CGS in Denver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was listening to them. Um, in Denver, they were. We will digress, people. Me no. and Sean are syn- it's synonymous. Our, our names and digression. Go hand that's, in that's hand. That's our thing. Yes. And it was, like I said, it was early. These were early episodes. And they were talking about Star Wars Episode 3. I think that was the very first episode I ever listened to. And like I said, the show was in its early stages. And I kept listening to it. And I think like the following year, um, I was still, like I said, I was still listening to it. And they were they were going to be at a Pittsburgh Comic Con. And, and like one of the guests at their table was Dave DeWanch. And uh, Dave was working on a comic book called Special Ed, a.k.a. Special Education. Yep. And, um, and this is like the first show I went to, like, in, I mean, since I was a kid. So, like, you know, I got a rental car, you know, got my map ready. I said, okay, let's go to this show. Let's see what this is all about. And because uh, I wanted to meet those guys. Anyway, I listened to the show, participated in the forums a bit. It's like, let's see what this is all about. So I went, met those guys, met Dave. Like one of my first commissions I ever bought from somebody was from Dave, and it was like a commission of Black Panther. So I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." And I had met uh, Chad Chaconi that that year there. I met Sean Gabrin and his wife Stephanie there, and um, and it was just kind of like it was it was mind blowing to me because like folks are very nice, the kind of geek speak people were very nice, and it just inspired me. And I was like, you know what, I want to make comics. Because I had dibble, I had dabbled with it a number of times before in the past, but nothing had come from it, and you know, and but also in those years before, technology, you know, wasn't to where it was at that time. So, so I said, you know, I'll come back next year and I'll and I'll, I'll have a book at the table at my own table at Pittsburgh, and and I did, um, you know, I collaborated with with, um, with Chad, um, and then at my table. Literally that that year that year I decided to table at Pittsburgh you know, the following year I was right next to Sean and Stephanie Gabbard. so literally within a span of like a couple of years I had met what would become the original core of Action Lab Entertainment yeah you you know what I mean it, mm. it's crazy because also at that same show the, the year I tabled right across from me was Dave and Super Ugly so literally. Like all those people, Chad, Sean, myself, uh, Dave, Super Ugly, we've all have worked on Action Lab projects or become an integral part of Action Lab or released books through Action Lab. 
So it's crazy. And the thing is, that didn't happen for like, I don't know, like another two, two and a half years down the line because we were all trying to do our own things independently because the technology had advanced to a state where we could do that. But also at the same time, we were spinning our wheels and we were kind of getting somewhere individually, but at the same time, not making the progress we thought we should have made. It's, it's, it is strange how you kind of not keep with, I don't mean to keep with the original crew, but it's kind of a, I don't know, it, it's all of the uh, like landmark um, bands and landmark artists and um, companies that kind of get formed and it's it's all kind of happenstance they all just happen to be in the same building all at the same time and then through a weird course of coincidence and inspirations they all kind of end up coming back together again but this is the same with you know me lee and steve being in the same class together at high school um and then losing touch with each other completely during our 20s and Again, if it, I blame my wife completely, but she did throw me a 30th birthday party. And if it wasn't for the fact that she did that, I probably wouldn't have started talking to Lee again for, and, and through no fault of our own, because guys are terrible at keeping in touch. Um, <laughs> and that's strange. It's like electronically, we're very good at it. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, picking up the phone sometimes and remembering to say, hey, I haven't called you in a while and we had some good times together. How are you doing? Um yeah, we could we could probably be better. But if it wasn't for that gathering, we wouldn't have picked up again and we wouldn't have started talking. And um, four years later, here we are, two years into a, owning a pro wrestling company and looking back over what I call Karate Kid moments, which is always <laughs> that kind of pinnacle that you work towards and then you have to remember you have to go back to work the next day. Um, but the more of those you have, I think it puts a lot of perspective on kind of what you've achieved when you mm-hmm. when you like I mean like with yourself you kind of look back over the last five years and you have all these little high spot highlight moments and you know that the next day you're still on a high but you've still got to walk back into your nine to five job but the more of those moments that you have I think it does put that into perspective more you can't always open the doors to the office and there are 400 people there screaming with signs um it would be nice you know (laughs) if they've beckoned me to my desk but that doesn't happen but it will you know it will happen in you know two months time and that's cool it doesn't take away from the fact that karate kid 2 is really depressing and i think puts a lot of perspective on the end of karate kid 1 but it's still better than karate kid 3 yeah but you learn how to break someone's nose in karate kid 3 that is true it's like a real instructional video. And he's got a ponytail, like Eric Roberts in Best of the Best. <laughs> the only cool thing about Karate Kid 3 is uh, the bad guys in that movie are beyond even comic book level bad guys. And they have that um, Joker style hilarious laughter every time they do something evil. And they have to cross their arms when they do it as well. Yes. And rock their head back as well. I mean, it's to the level of... Like, like say for instance, like Dragon Ball Z enemy absurdity. Yeah, you know that intense. That like I could watch it just for those moments, but 
I, but I still have difficulty sitting through that whole film. Um, <laughs> in, in you are on. not nice people. My son cannot train with you anymore. What's wrong? Where's the parenting? I know Daniel was quite old. <laughs> she was very trusting in the first place. There's an old dude who lives downstairs. Yes, he fixed his bike. Doesn't mean you can spend time plucking trees together. She hasn't done a check on him. She doesn't know whether he'd pass and has worked with children before. It's very inappropriate. Oh, I think it worked out all, all right in the end, even though he claps his hands together, makes a hot palm and massages his leg, which again, as a parent, I don't know if I'd be happy with that. Straight to A&E for me. I'd be <laughs> straight to the hospital. But then again, we're talking about Karate Kid. It, it, but, but still, number number three is still better than the fourth Karate Kid. The uh, Was it called The Next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank? Yes. Man, you want to talk about a hot-ass mess. And, it's, and it had Michael Ironside as the bad guy. <laughs> How do you fail with Michael Ironside as your bad guy? It's Michael freaking Ironside. And that he's changed his name to Michael freaking Ironside um, just to get more work on better films than the next Karate Kid. That, no, I'm not serious. Oh. Um, that, <laughs> that was, oh my that God. was before Hilary Swank's head kind of got to mini driver head size. Mm. She's got quite a large head. I always, I just, I just find it off-putting. I'm not nothing personal, uh-huh. but in the Born Identity, they had to get different size headphones for her when she was doing all those calls as the Oracle. She's just got a large head. Wait a minute, I thought that was Julia Stiles. Same, same size head. See, <laughs> 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 so styled out your my mistake there. Completely flawed logic. No. You're right. I'm thinking of the different head. I'm sorry. It's I get o- distracted. It's okay. It's okay. You can you if you mix up elements of Save the Last Dance, the Bourne films, and the next Karate Kid, I won't be mad at you. It's okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm not. I'm not mad at you at all. <laughs> friends have been doing uh, you, you and Lee and uh, and Steve um, and, and a slew of others have been working uh, to make FPW future pro wrestling uh, what it is over the last few years and before we get into that the one thing I want to talk about and we've mentioned it lightly during this recording is uh, the use of technology in order to get to where we are right now okay yeah. now 10, 10, 10 15 years ago, it's you know it's pretty doubtful that that something like you know Action Lab or an LOI Studios or FPW could happen. The internet allows us to like reach out to like a lot of people. I'm not saying that 10, 10 years ago you couldn't do that, but the scope of it probably wouldn't have been the same as it is now. Plus, also with the democrat with the democratization of technology, you know you can do things like put together nice promo video packages. The ability to create things nowadays is the cost is much lower, but there's still work involved, um, which sometimes I think some people don't understand because sometimes people just think this stuff is done magically and there's no time, there's no cost involved. Even even when financially there may not be any cost involved when a bunch of people are collaborating on something, there's still a cost involved, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But um, But the thing is, like with FPW, like you've been able to present wrestling in the UK, um, like I said, do you know, do like you know these special shows, you know, record them, put them on DVD, do all types of things. You've built an audience, and you've also like um, also made additional connections because of you know the use of the internet and the democratization of technology. Now there have been many other people over the years that have tried to do a lot of things, whether it be comics, film, short film, animation, 
a music, with all this technology that's out there right now, you can do a lot of things. Now, as I said many times on the show, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, the one thing that it does do is that there there are no levels of um, the quality levels vary. Some some levels are fantastic. Others are just straight boo boo. Okay, so you have this like scale, this floating scale that goes from like zero to a gajillion, and it's and it leaves the general public to decide in their minds what's great, what's okay, and what could be something that later on, with a little bit more development, could be even better. YouTube's a perfect example. There was a there was a phase, and it's probably still going right now, where all the people that had like the most hits were people that were just literally doing parody videos of songs. And in my eyes, I'm like, this is boring to me. But for somebody else, it's like one of the greatest things in the world. You know what I mean? And so flavors vary, but that's the, once again, that's the one great thing about the internet. You can find things that you enjoy and also find things that you never expected to find that can become something new that you can enjoy because, you know, like I said, because of the democratization of technology and the power of the internet, the good and bad of it. But no, but because of all this technology, you were able, you guys were able to put together FPW, but it's not just the tech that's a part of it. You have to build a team, you have to have a plan, you have to, you know, have, you know, a place to stage these FPW shows in, you have to find a way to let people know that these shows are coming. So there's, you know, there's, it's not just, hey, we, we, you know, we're making this here. There's, there's a lot of organization behind it. And um, if you, and I, you know, if you don't mind, I would like for you to talk about that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you're right. It's, it is an awful lot of work. And uh, I think for, for the first show you know, to kind of call back to how you kind of began talking there, um, I think it was it was the ability to produce a video package or a kind of a a little introduction to what we were about to do um, and make it look relatively professional that that I think kind of got us noticed a little bit more than say not it, it's I, I got to say like British wrestling and I think wrestling in general is extremely incestuous. I mean we. You know, all the the wrestlers wrestle for other companies, and um, the majority of the promoters know one another. So it's very easily, very easy to kind of insult somebody by accident. And and uh, I absolutely don't mean anything by it, but um, I think there's a lot of companies that start with that absolute thing that you just said, which is we are doing this, um, and then hopefully people come and if they don't come i think a lot of people go why didn't they come you know like podcasting mm-hmm. podcasting is a classic example and and i've learned from not the hard way but um if you're putting anything on the internet for people to read listen to um or watch this the moment that you acknowledge your own ego i think you'll do yourself a lot of favors um and look at what you're doing because 
if you're putting something out there for somebody to read or look at, you're immediately hoping that it will be of some benefit to that person. But at the same time, you have to admit to yourself that you want the other person to like what you're doing or like you for what you've done. Um, and it can be infuriating when you put something out there and you um, look at the downloads and it's, oh, why Why aren't people, it must mean they don't like me or it must mean you know this, that and the other. The second that you don't give a shit, um, you'll do the best work you've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're absolutely right, you know, content for the sake of content, um, that quantity over over quality, I think, is kind of a plague of any kind of medium. Um, and, and wrestling is a prime example. If, um, if you're doing shows every week all around the country and you're only drawing 60 people per show and you're frustrated by that, then look at your shows and can you put them on once every two months? Um, in a larger venue, draw a bigger crowd, and um, hopefully the quality will be a, um, a lot bigger. And it, it really depends on what what you're looking to gain from doing this. I think where we hopefully have been quite successful is that when we went into it, we it was one show. It was something to check off our list of we want. We would really like to do this. This would be awesome. I, I um, ever since you know I got into wrestling as a kid. Um, I never wanted to be, not that I never wanted to be a wrestler, but the aspect of it that drew me to it was always the promos and the presentation and the pyro and the music and just the show of it. Um, so I kind of wanted to be a part of, of that. And Steve wanted uh, started off wanting to be a wrestler and Lee just is just an encyclopedia of, of, of wrestling and, mm-hmm. and loves every aspect of it. And, um, yeah, there's nothing that he can't, <laughs> a stat that he can't throw your way. So when we first went out to do it, I think what resonated from our first show and what brought people back was that they could see that we were doing it for the love of it and doing it to send people home with a smile on their face as opposed to, oh, we sold, I don't know, 50 T-shirts and therefore we've made a ton of money and you know we're happy, we can go home. So I think... That 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 seems to be what's going to build our crowd is that we um, it's quite clear that it was three guys just wanting to see if we could do this and and do it well and do it successfully and and draw a crowd again. Um, but to uh, your original point about technology, my cousin uh, John Hooper, who is an amazing three D animator, um, I called. Um, I spotted a video of his. He put up. Um, he, he did some logos. He he did a three D. Um, like rendering of the the Tron bikes, the bikes from Tron. He built them in his computer um, and posted them on Facebook. And I kind of saw them and went, hang on a second. And this was before we put on our first show back in 2011. May 2011 is when we put on our first show. And uh, so I called him up and just said, because uh, I, I, I'd lost touch with him. He lives in um, uh, the West Country. Uh, he lives in Bristol, which is quite a long way away from here. And Again, through our twenties, for whatever reason, you know, we weren't. When we were kids, we'd sort of holiday together and stuff like that. And um, but we just lost touch. But we were we were about six months apart in age. So Jonathan is the kid that I would play Star Wars with when I went on holiday. And you know, we grew up under the George Lucas umbrella and um, Back to the Future and, and all of those cool movies. And we were always able to just pick up and have that same stuff in common. So we, you know, we know each other through and through. Right. And I gave him a call and just said, that thing that you just played, that's your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he sent me um, a load of short films that he'd been a part of where he'd done special effects for these films. 
Um, and I just said, look, we're about to start doing this thing. And I was thinking about doing like a video podcast in the lead up to the event to kind of explain what we're doing. And it would be really cool if you could um, get involved and maybe do some logos. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I just asked him to do that. And within two, three days, he sent me a video and it was this animated cheering crowd with a spinning uh, silver logo of our company with it, it, with music and it was just it was just amazing to see and it looked really professional and um, then the emails started coming in literally that that book ended me sitting on a sofa talking about our plans and then it, the title rolled at the end that was all the video was um, and I think we called it FBW what's occurring and we did two or three of them mm-hmm. to just say this was our plan um, and yeah we just started to get emails and contacts and and people asking us um what we're about and how long we've been running and it was kind of well if you listened to me talking on my sofa you would realize that we haven't been running at all i think all they did was watch the 3d (laughs) animation and then they saw me on the sofa and what thought i'm not interested anymore but i'd like to find out more direct from the source right (laughs) but um i think that did us an an awful lot of uh an awful lot of good um he produced a trailer which again was 3d animation um and it was themed so it was kind of it, it looked like we were going to call the first one the Future Zone because we were called Future Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. and so he he designed this kind of Blade Runner um, kind of background with these flying cars and um, uh, the Future Pro Wrestling logos and the names of all the wrestlers. So there was no wrestling footage because, of course, we'd done none. Right. Um, but it was a cool looking video, and again, it was kind of oh, these guys must have something behind them because how are they able to magic up this stuff um and again it it kind of worked um my good buddy simon price who's been on has he been i think you talked with simon on my show right but i don't think yeah so simon price is um a good friend of mine from the um 11 o'clock comics forums and he used to draw he used to do artwork for burden's world when i did um my podcast and he used to do a sketch up of all the crazy stuff that i would talk about and he'd post it on the blog and um we asked him to do caricatures of the three of us the three founders um and that was going to be the kind of stamp logo um that you'd see on all of our stuff so so that there was this acknowledgement of branding and um, and again, that started to appear on the videos as well. Um, and then the first show, we kind of, we of course invited friends and family, and then in turn, hopefully, um, friends of friends would come. Um, uh, managed to get into the local paper because we went to school locally, and it was kind of a local interest story. Um, and then, uh, yeah, lo and behold, we opened the doors on the first show, and there was a reasonable amount of people there. And uh, Steve, who's the the staunch traditionalist, insists that we're all backstage before the show, and you know we we have to lock ourselves away and let the people come in. Um, and uh, we were hiding behind the door, kind of hoping that the seats would fill. And Steve's sister popped her head round the door and said, "We need more seats." And that was the <laughs> greatest line ever. It was just the greatest moment. <laughs> um, so we we're feverishly trying to send more seats through, and um, yeah, we did okay. I think we had. Must have had about 260, 270 mm-hmm. um, turn up for the first show. And again, it's been a real learning curve, just kind of learning what the averages of, of how shows are um, in the UK. Um, and from that first show, um, from 260, um, I think including crew and workers, we had a total of 400 people at the last show, um, which is a good turnout for, for a UK show. Yes. Um, 
locally anyway. But yeah, I mean, there's been kind of ups and downs and perils and pitfalls and broken rings and um, lost bits of ring that means that we're 10, 15 minutes late opening the door. Um, people who are asleep in their car 10 minutes before they come on. and Yeah, yeah it's um, it's been cool. But I think, let's see, so we did four, th- three shows the first year, four shows the second year, and we've done one show so far this year. So we've done eight shows in total, um, and we're about to do our uh, our second anniversary show. Yeah, there's been crazy times, but I think without Facebook, we would not have been able to. I don't. I, I don't think we'd have been able to do it. Not with the ease in which we have, because it, it, it isn't easy. But um, it's been a huge tool for us. I mean, we've got two thousand, close to two thousand two hundred, I think, fans now on our um, Facebook page. Um, and they're it, it, they they're a ra- you know rabid fan base. They um, they could just get on everything we do, and and we love them for it. Uh, and uh, and I suppose kind of the events of early last year seemed to be where well, they kind of stuck with us. That was <laughs> that was kind of the moment that uh, that kind of cemented our relationship, I guess. Right now, and thing is, where you're staging your shows, you're not if you're not like staging them at like the O2 Arena or or, any, or anything like that. Uh, so when you say you know you get 270 or 400 people for you know for like you know for your shows where you're staging these shows that's pretty much packed to capacity. Yeah. 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 So. I mean it's um it's a local hall it's um Wellington Public Hall um which is set up really as a theater. Mm-hmm. Um the 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 floor area it's kind of this block parquet flooring but the thing we love about it is that it has a proper theatrical stage with a lighting rig. Um, and it has a gloriously high ceiling, um, so our guys can uh, imploding 450 till their heart's content, and you know n- have no fear that they're going to hit their head on the ceiling. Right. Um, but uh, I, I love our venue, um, and um, I know I absolutely know that at some point we're going to exceed our venue, mm-hmm. uh, which will be. Um, kind of a, a, a mixture of feelings for us but um yeah we were able to really stage these shows we have curtains we have um a proper entrance way and we you know we have smoke and lasers and goodness knows what but um yeah it's just the local town hall there there was a period of time and this is before um it literally just became wwf wcw and ecw um during that period of time in the uh the wrestling like many call it the wrestling boom before wrestling peaked and literally there only became one professional game in town, um, WWE, and now you have also have total nonstop action wrestling, TNA. But there was a period of time in the 90s when WCW and uh, WWF were like battling head-to-head and really WCW was winning. You still had like a lot of federations across like the United States um, with limited television markets that literally had crowds of no more than 150, 200 people. Um, and I mean, and these were, and these were, and it was a big deal for those federations. But in the, in, but in the marks of things, if you think about it, it's kind of amazing because, like in the United States, you could never get that on TV ever again. Hmm. You, you couldn't. I want to say was was it like Great Mountain Wrestling and and I mean all time, I mean all types, whether it be in Minnesota, whether it be in Tennessee. 
I mean, there are all types of feds that were getting, like, whether it be local TV time or they would get TV time in, like, four or five states. It, it, it was amazing to me. And that stuff is, you don't see that anymore. Um, yes, there are federations out there right now in, in you know, across the world, like Chikara. And um, and there's also that uh, wrestling. Uh, Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honor. Yes, there's Ring of there's yeah. R- ROH. Um, speaking of ROH, a former, uh, I'm not sure if he's still with ROH or not, but I met, uh, oh, now his name is, uh, any other time, his name would really, would be on the tip of my tongue, Jim Cornette. I met Jim Cornette. Oh, cool. I met Jim Cornette a while ago, um, at, uh, I was doing a show in Lexington, the Lexington, uh, Comic-Con. I was running the table for Action Lab and I took a break. I was like, well, let me go see who was, who's all at the show because I, you know, I knew, I knew a lot of people that were going to be at the show. I knew of you know them coming to the show. But I was like, you know, let me look around some more. And, um, and my friend John is a big Jim Cornette fan. And so I look, I'm like, oh, it's Jim Cornette. So, so I, you know, I stopped by his uh, stopped by his table. Really nice guy. Really, really incredible guy to talk to. Um, great personality. Very friendly. And it was weird because he had all these pictures that you could like, you know, you get autograph for like very inexpensively. Which was amazing because you know if you do a lot of these do a lot of these shows if you see people that you grew up with whether it be from your favorite show or um, television show or wrestler or you know this is separate from like getting a commission from an artist I'm just talking about the entertainment aspect yeah, yeah. of these uh, conventions you know those autographs are normally pretty ex- pretty expensive um, but you know his autographs were very inexpensive he was very friendly and on the side he because he gets split his table in half. And the other side of his table were all these like old wrestling magazines. A lot of them, I'm sure he's the one that was in charge of putting these magazines together, like you know, championship wrestling and all these um, geographically targeted wrestling magazines. And I was blown away. He was selling them very inexpensively as well. I was like, I, I got to get one of these just for, you know, the classicness of it, you know, for going. It's like a time machine looking at this magazine and seeing how wrestling was set up in one territory or one area and how only basically folks in that area knew about it. And the only way anybody else would have known about it is if you had a friend or somebody that you knew who knew somebody who knew somebody sent you that magazine. And then in turn, you were able to find that subscription page to like cut out the subscription, write your name, get that check in there from your parents and send it out so you could get that magazine. Yeah, it's it's crazy the kind of the the idea that um, not crazy because it's amazing. It, you know, it happened and it drew crowds. It it was you know the the era of paper, whether it be a flyer or a poster um, or a magazine. Um, this is how things were done. We, you know, you would beat the streets and you would drop flyers and you would put posters up in the towns and um, you you know draw crowds from from miles around. But um, it's very it's odd for us because we we do flyer um, and of course we do put posters up, um, but quite often you're kind of halfway through doing this stuff, or should I say, sorry, Steve is halfway through doing this stuff because mm-hmm. Steve's in charge of flying, um, um, and you kind of think, is this working? You know, where where does our crowd come from? I mean, right. We, I like to think we know the majority of our crowd because they're so vocal on social media. Um, you know that we it was, it's kind of not a running joke amongst the three of us but um you know our our wives or or better halves um the next day after a show i mean we usually do them on a saturday or sunday if it's a saturday sunday morning it's kind of do i dare turn the phone on right now because you're either tagged in a million photos um and you're getting notifications or or 
it's you know messages upon messages but you what you absolutely cannot wait to turn that phone on and just see this kind of cavalcade of that was my first show and that was awesome or um you know done it again lads or, or whatever it is it, it's just been that's i guess what kind of drives us without a doubt is, is just i haven't we haven't come across the ranty fanboy yet and i'm not going to touch wood because he's there he's there he'll come out of the woodwork and <laughs> say something shitty at some point but we haven't come across any of that yet it has just been nothing but love and um thanks and uh, and just offers of help i mean you talk about these magazines that have got to be compiled by someone we received our program today for the may show um and one of our uh, fans is a good friend of ours now um paul smith his son andrew smith asked if he could put together the program for the next show almost like a kind of project i think he's kind of 13 for no he's 14 and um we said, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely, go for it. Let's see what you can do. And he's, we gave him contacts with some of the wrestlers and, and some people we thought would be make interesting interviews. And he's put together what I can only describe as a fanzine, hmm. which will be on sale at the next show. Um, and it's it's things like that that are just done out of love and um, and just want to be involved. And no, nobody's pushy and nobody's... You know, I just want to be around the scene so that I can be an autograph hunter. People just, you know, want to be involved with ring setup and want to be involved with making those nights special for somebody that they've told about the show. Um, we're we're very fortunate. Um, we we've always we've always kind of maintained that we would like it to have what I call like a, a local football club following, where. Um, yes, you follow the wrestlers, but you actually wear the T-shirt with the company logo on it with pride, mm-hmm. like a football shirt. Um, you know, this is this is my team, or this is my company, or this is who I'm. You know, we're part of this family of of people. So, yeah, uh, social media, without a doubt, has just been indispensable for us. Um, but we still put posters up <laughs> and we still, you know, walk the streets and, and pop flies through doors and, and always somebody will come up after the show and say, you know, thank you so much. That was amazing. And, um, I would never have known about it unless that man stood right over there. Hadn't have put a flyer in my hand when I was coming out of the supermarket. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you have to, you have to beat the streets. Oh yeah, It's what you, what you got to do, I guess. Oh yeah. Well, you know, just using one form of communication you're you know you're limiting your audience or the possibilities of bringing people to your show so like i try to explain to people just because you have a facebook page doesn't mean that everybody can see it um just because you have a twitter page or twitter account doesn't mean everybody's going to be able to, to hear your tweet or see your facebook post because the rate of um traffic that's flowing through somebody's feed you know they may not see your post you know what I mean? It's it's so it's one of those things where you have to venture out and use as many methods, both old school and new school as possible in order to get people to um, be aware of you. And it works. Yeah. You know, it works. It just it takes work. It, that's that's the whole thing about it. It takes work and it doesn't matter whether it's wrestling, comics, film, music, anything. There's work involved. And if you're not willing to sacrifice or willing to put together a plan so you know who's doing what so the word can get out, then, you know, you won't succeed. 
Mm, no, absolutely. I think we, we not. It's not again. It's not a running joke. It's just I think something that both companies have kind of acknowledged. Um, we've we've got a lot of companies that we're very good friends with, and um, again, you know, the wrestlers work work the circuit. It's very much like the stand up comedy um, kind of crowd or scene where you, you if you just work in one venue, then you're not going to get noticed, or you're you know you're not going to make your money. This is. This is not a full-time job for the majority of these guys. They have to do the rounds um, and go from town to town. But um, um, you know, we're a lot of time and a lot of respect and and uh, and a lot of thanks, I guess, to um, the other companies around us um, in London and in Kent and, uh, and and locally. So Progress Wrestling would be, you know, the closest to us. Lucha Britannia, um, Rev Pro, IPW. Um, PCW as well. There's there's all of these companies that kind of, for me anyway, have this common goal or common mantra of putting on a quality product and trying to represent British wrestling at its best. Um, but um, our, us and Progress anyway are, we always say our crowd is the Facebook crowd and Progress's crowd is the Twitter crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like if you're under 14, you can't get into their venue. Um, and rightfully so. And I absolutely love their shows. Um, and the reason I remembered that Andrew Smith is 14 is because he's going to his first Progress show next month. <laughs> um, <laughs> Progress is set in a part of London, which is it's a cool part of London, and they've tapped into exactly the right... Um, crowd and and the right vibe for for their business and for their shows and they've got that rabid fan base that i liken it to the old ecw days mm. um and they you know they sell out every show and uh, and and rightfully so but with with our crowd it's that balancing act and it's i think it's only my problem because i always say to stephen lee does this bother you and they was no this is just you this is just your hang-up you need to move on matt but um <laughs> i always have this concern that pe- people's perception of what we put on is that because it's all ages or family friendly that makes it a lesser or a diluted product um and it's it's weird because you know it doesn't it doesn't reflect in you know ticket sales or whatever but right again it's the people that i always try to avoid which is for me the ranty fanboys i i always i always want to be the person that changes someone's mind you know um but for us it's always been about surprising the parents at fantastic talent and and hopefully having them go home going i wasn't sure what to expect and i've come away a fan um but at the same time there's nothing there that's going to leave any awkward moments on the drive home where the kids going, can I just ask why he said that? Or was it really necessary to have all that blood? Um, you know, you're not going to see any of that, but you're going to see a technically sound and impressive show when you come to our venues. But yeah, I think it is just my hang up. I convince myself every time I say this, that it's going to be okay. And then, you know, two days later I'm going, Oh no, I bet people think that we're rubbish just because we're family friendly. <laughs> I suppose it's the same with comic books as well. The amount of kind of all ages comic books, which are amazing, but you kind of have these retailers trying to push them and, um, yeah, it's the ranty fanboys. They're well, a curse. Wrestling like comics and other forms of media don't have to be just one thing. And, and I don't know where we struck this line where, where people, where some people say, well, comics or wrestling is this and that's it. You, you know what I mean? And I don't, I'm not sure whether that changed when the internet, 
the internet came around and you started to like hear whether it be rumors, rumors or truths about things going on behind the scenes. And that took some of the uh, magic and mystique away from some of these wrestling shows. But think about it. I mean, I mean, look at the like levels, the the levels of violence in um, in, in wrestling at the you know during like the '90s. Like you know, when WCW was running things with like NWO and whatnot, it was more about a presence rather than the actual violence, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know, but ECW was just turning wrestling on its ear because it was quote unquote extreme. And WWF at the time was in the middle because they were trying to like you know win this battle with WCW that they couldn't win, and so they decided to create the Attitude Era. And that took off, where it was this combination of, like, WCW meets ECW meets WWF, and boom. But now if you look at how, pretty much like how WWE is dominating the television market, in the United, like, as far as in the U.S., they, they dominate the television market, they're in this phase now, if you watch their show, it's, they want to attract themselves to kids, but also still at the same time, they want, they they want some form of that attitude violence, but not too much. Because mm. it all depends on when you watch them. You know what I mean? Like, because if you watch SmackDown, I think the violent like, SmackDown is delivered differently than Raw is delivered. And Raw is delivered differently from 8 to eight to 10 than it is from 10 to 11. Right. Um, as far as, like, the hours. Like, you know, hour one and two of Raw is different than hour three of Raw. And our, you know, and the, but SmackDown is a completely different thing because of, you know, because of what time it airs and what time, you know, um, and what in what network it's on. I mean, it's all the same. It's all owned by Universal, but, um, it's, you know, because like uh, SmackDown airs on Sci-Fi and Raw airs on USA. But, um, but it, it's weird because you go back to the uh, Monday Night War between WCW and WWF. Oh, they could give a damn, you know, about what a, you know what. A kid thought, or all ages audience wanted, you know that stuff was mad violent. I mean, they were they were doing things now. They were doing things then in that in those shows that you will never see on television ever, ever again. No, no, you yeah, you you're absolutely right. And I, I think that whole kind of they could give a damn as to what I. If, I guarantee, if you look at t-shirt sales for the Attitude Era, the majority of them would be adult. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, because you've got the Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirt, or you've got you know the the DX T-shirt, you know those two shirts. I'm I guarantee it. Those are the guys that it was the let's bring our fan base back. It was kind of it's like the Vertigo, you know, Vertigo of, for for comics. It was it was me picking up Preacher again, um, in. Uh, God, 1999, and remembering I liked comics, but all of a sudden. This is comics, you know. Um, right. It, you know, it's oh, this is written for me. Uh, even though, strictly speaking, you know, you're still the same person, and then hopefully that takes you back to your childhood and you start reading superhero stuff again. It's not all about Nazis and <laughs> vampires and goodness knows what. But um, yeah, I, I I agree. I absolutely agree. It's it is it's a real balancing act, and and the the danger is that you is that you do put off the hardcore wrestling fan um or you if you go the other way you you know damage the kid and 
therefore put off the parent and then they don't come back. So right. for us, our, our focus is always on who, who we book um, and the matches that we present. And, and it will always be the highest of, for me anyway, I, I want to book a show that I would want to go and see and that I can also take my child to see. Um, and, and, you know, and there have been moments over the last two years that I, I, I watch every match from the audience. Um, Steve, bless him, is always backstage um, and, and kind of peeks behind the curtain every now and again. Lee watches 50 to 75% of the, of the show. I sit in amongst the crowd for every single show hmm. um, as the ring announcer and compare. And, and then I, so I flip between the crowd and getting in the ring and doing my bit and, um, and stuff. So I've been privileged to have put my hand over my mouth and jump in the air and fist pump and shout with the crowd at uh, dozens of moments, you know, over the last two years where I cannot believe somebody just put themselves through that or somebody just put themselves at risk to that extent f not for these people as in these people aren't worthy but i hope this crowd appreciates what they just saw uh, yeah. and 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 the cheers and the chants and the signs that you know come back time after time it, it seems that they do um but you have to put on something to be proud of otherwise people can see through it right um and people can predict it and, and play the game. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just has to be quality over quantity. Ever since, you know, you've been doing you've been doing these shows, you're about to have this show jump off in May. Um, celebrating, you said the two-year anniversary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Celebrating the two-year anniversary of FPW. Um, you've also had some other things happen as well. Um, you've also had a, a connection with a total nonstop action wrestling as well. Can you talk about that relationship? Um. Yeah. I mean, it, I suppose it's kind of in in its virgins. I suppose at the moment, um, we were. This will come out of a much longer story, which I hope you're ready for. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. Last, uh, we had a, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll call back to this because it's a much bigger thing. Yeah. So last May, we had a show which very, very nearly didn't happen. Um, and on that show, so that, this, this was going to be our first anniversary show, we had um, Doug Williams. Um, so um, previous X Division champion, um, he works uh, at OV, o, um, he works at OVW in the, um, the TNA training camp there. Um, amazing British wrestler, um, certainly did the rounds uh, and still does do the rounds in the UK. Um, kind of 2002 um, through to kind of 2005, um, he was kind of part of that huge British revolution that, that happened um, with the FWA and, and, and many other companies around that time. So he's synonymous with British wrestling. And um, we were fortunate enough to book him for our first anniversary show. And, um, and he came along. And one of the ring crew, the UK ring crew, um, and part of the kind of team for, for when TNA comes over, um, happened to come along and, um, and watch. And um, again, we'll call back to exactly what happened that evening. But um, something occurred that evening, which um, which put us to the test as a company, um, and and put our crowd to the test as well. Um, and um, 
that gentleman who, who was at the show that came along to watch Doug um, kind of made his presence known and we've kept in touch with him ever since. Um, and um, we were, I suppose, privileged enough to get invited to uh, to Wembley the last time TNA came over and um, and we got us some backstage passes and I was able to take my son backstage to meet Christopher Daniels and Kazarian uh, and uh, kind of walk past Samoa Joe which was really bizarre and Rob Van Dam and all these people and we were presented with a, a signed TNA turnbuckle by the entire roster including Hogan and Sting and Dixie and um, and everyone and it just said with thanks FBW and um, they've kind of made it very clear that um, they want us to keep in touch and, and hopefully we can work together um, at some point or be of help um, at some point. Um, TNA are uh, they they air their shows on Challenge TV over here, um, and it's a free view channel. Ergo, of course, it will you know the ratings will be higher than WWE, but at the same time, the the, the product is quality as well. Um, from AJ Styles to Samoa Joe to Kurt Angle to um, Austin Aries, Christopher Daniels, you know, you, you, it's it's always going to be for me again. I'll use that term technically sound. Um, but they've just recently done a show called British Boot Camp, which was hugely successful over here, um, which put four UK wrestlers through their paces on a reality-style TV show to win a place on the TNA roster. And that was won by a wrestler by the name of Rockstar Spud, um, who will be appearing on Impact very, very soon. Um, he's over at OVW at the moment. You, you should be able to see um, him working on... They air their show online over here anyway, um, the OVW shows. Um uh, see for British Boot Camp they shot some of it in uh, Progress Venue the Progress Wrestling um, a show that I was at and all of a sudden Jeremy Borash just came out of nowhere and there were the um, Spike TV cameras and they were shooting in a venue um, and you know the crowd was rabid as ever and, and um, showed the, the US um, audiences what our venues are about and um, yeah, we put on a good show. <laughs> but um it is very clear that TNA want to uh want to um kind of invest in the UK because they see the market here and they see how fanatical um the fan base is here. So it was very nice to kind of get the nod and, and at least kind of say, Look, we know we know who you are and uh, we'd like to thank you for what you're about and what you represent and hopefully we can keep in touch. So that was um yeah, that was pretty awesome. FPW has had a show called Future Mania, and uh, Future Mania, you know, it's a cool name. You know, you have a nice, um, you have a nice assortment of, of wrestlers. Every Future Mania, you come together, you do a great show, put together a big show, and um, you even have them available for DVD. I got a couple of copies myself, and um, special thanks to FPW for making that happen. Um, <laughs> but in the name Future Mania. Um, and some other things. You uh, rec- y'all recently received word from uh, World Wrestling Entertainment in regards to Future Mania. If this is something that you can't talk about, we don't have to talk about it. Uh, I could put it to the side and we, we not talk about it at all. Um, but if you want to talk about it, um, I can leave that open for you. Okay. Um, as far as I understand, um, I can't 
uh, divulge the exact content of the email that well, we received. Oh, no problem. But what, no, 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 that's cool. But what I can, I'll, I can talk around it. That's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, we, um, we've our fir- our first anniversary show last May was called Future Mania, um, and we had designed the poster as an homage to the old Silver Vision covers for the old videos, um, because that's what got us into it in the first place and it was definitely an homage and, and you know it was done out of love um, and uh, people responded well to it like, oh, I can see what you're doing there that's really cool um, and so the font was very much like Wrestlemania and um, the, the packaging was designed like that never thinking that this would make somebody think oh I'm going to see Wrestlemania in Wallington um, which w- wouldn't make sense at all um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah so we for for this most recent show in May, um, our plan was to call the show uh, Future Mania Two, um, but um, yeah, we received uh, an email from uh, the WWE pointing out that um, the font uh, is far too close to intellectual property that they own, uh, and the the packaging design or the poster design um, and the word mania um, associated with a, a wrestling promotion as well. They've um, they have intellectual rights over doing that um and so they very kindly asked us to stop doing that and uh we did <laughs> so um so we've renamed the show and, and redesigned the poster um and not one person has put the hand up and said oh, i don't like the new name see in comics you it would be uproar wouldn't it it would just be <laughs> how dare you change the title of my favorite thing but as long as the show happens and you know the product is the same it's fine but to be honest i'm just flattered they noticed yeah oh, oh yeah well, well when you got something like i said before when you have something that is going somewhere and you have like you know competition looking at you that means the other competition is going to start watching what you do too yeah and we've had a few doses of that you know, yeah. it's it's all part of the, it's all part of the game, and and in and, and from the WWE's perspective, I see where they're coming from too. It's just they're just trying to protect their uh, their intellectual property. I mean, it wasn't in a Disney state where they just would have came and just took you know took your children and uh, shut you down completely. But um, but you know, it was it was more of a hey, stop doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, which was polite because they could have been if they wanted to, they could have been real hardcore about it. Oh, absolutely. And it was a nice back and forth as well. You know, we were very civil and just said, thank you for pointing that out. Could you just give us, um, you know, some pointers and um, if you could note specifics so that, you know, we get it right the first time. And we went backwards and forwards um, and then sent them a copy of the finished product. And, you know, that was the end of it. But again, it's it's one of those surreal moments. Again, it's one of those things you kind of, two years ago, would I have thought that on my phone I'm reading a email from WWE Legal no because why would anyone from WWE Legal send me that email you know it was um it was very odd very odd indeed but um yeah it's still happening it's just a poster (laughs) (laughs) that's right and that's what matters most the show goes on regardless about to do this uh this two-year anniversary show in may after that show was done what is next for fpw and what is next for you uh, this particular show is quite is every show is special um and and last year's future mania was 
probably the most special show we've done and that's why we were so keen to kind of call it the same this this year but um this one is special because we're crowning our first champion um and we've had we now have championship belts so we have the world championship belt um we have our tag belts and we have um our zero g belt which is our cruiserweight belt um we haven't had belts before, and to be honest, we couldn't afford them. Uh, but <laughs> but we've <laughs> we've uh, we we were able to um, purchase them um, very recently, uh, and so they've been custom made. They were designed by Lee, so Mr. Lee Elmer has designed our belts, and uh, and and it, I know it was a special moment for him to to get those in the mail, um, and kind of see something that he created come to come to fruition. Um, but this. Uh, the, the May show is um, to crown our first champion, and it's a tournament. So to go all the way back to Karate Kid, it's a tournament. There's uh, there are um, eight wrestlers who um, at the last show we did um, uh, Reloaded, which is always the first show of the year. Um, we put on a rumble match, so we had a twenty man rumble, um, and the whole idea was the remaining eight, the last eight who are left over in the ring. Um, will go through to the tournament but there was a, a winner of course mr greg burridge won the won the rumble but um the last eight would go through to the tournament and and those are the eight that are going to be fighting for the title so that will be amazing to to crown the first champion um next is uh, july which will be summertime brawl um and we will either be doing uh, the tag tournament or the zero g tournament and then in october is uh, is our halloween show which is trick or treat um and you know whichever of the two tournaments we haven't done we'll we'll do it at that show um home of pumpkin on a pole which is a first <laughs> that will be the third time we've done it um it always gets a good reaction so uh uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. A pole is um, a, a very tall pole is attached to one of the ring posts, and we hollow out a pumpkin with a face on it and stick it on top of the pole. And the two wrestlers fight over who gets to the pumpkin first, and the loser is the one that ends up with the pumpkin dunked on his head. So again, it's another invention <laughs> of Mr. Lee Elmer. We couldn't do without him. A pumpkin on a pole—that is a yep. first. First, as long as nobody after they're done with the pumpkin on the pole grabs the bell and decides to jump off the top rope and hit somebody with the bell, I think you're good. Yes. No, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> you took the initiative to do it, and now look at you because you've taken that, because you all have taken that initiative. Look where it's got you right now, and that, I just, you know, I find that to be just utterly fascinating. You, you, you know what I mean? It's. And there are, you know, there are difficulties, there are challenges, but still, it's it's just incredible to me. Um, you know, I, I have I have the utmost respect for you guys because in any given moment, because I know, like as far as behind the scenes, some of the rough spots uh, you all have had. In any given moment, you know, with other people, they may have just said, "Screw it, I quit. We're done." Yeah, and you guys we've didn't had quit. A big one of those. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but well, you, do we have time for that story? Do we do that story or not? Oh man, you know what? We got we got time. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them. Go ahead and tell them. Uh, but I, I suppose I, it's been a year since this happened, and uh, I've gone up and down in my own brain um, with it over the last year as to whether or not we should keep talking about it. And um, invariably, I'll be at a show another promotion and Steve will be in the corner talking to someone and I'll see the look on his face and I know that he's telling the story 
and uh, usually my first response will be to go over and go, really, do we have to keep going over this? But <laughs> it did, it affected us so much. I've kind of just kind of made peace with myself in, do you know what? Tell the story, you know? It, it, it was it was something that that kind of meant a lot to the relationship between us and the fans that it seems to have affected everything we've done for the last year. So basically last May, which is the show that we had Doug Williams booked on, it was first anniversary. We'd put so much into the advertising, so much into the marketing and getting it just right and trying to really push pre-sales. And it was kind of our biggest push because it, the the card was stacked i mean it, it was just it was just going to be the you know the the biggest celebration that it could be it was a year since we we'd started the company um everything was ready to go the show was uh, the show was um due to be on a saturday um it was going to start at so I want to say seven o'clock um, and I was working that day. So quite often on a Saturday I have to work um, and I'll get off at five and then I'll go down to the hall and we'll start, you know, ring preparation. On the Friday um, at four o'clock, I got a call from Steve to say, it's bad news. Um, something's happened and we need to make some decisions. And I kind of heart went into my stomach and, then that went back up to my throat and I didn't quite know what was going on. Um, but it transpired that somebody anonymously had phoned the council and spotted and pointed out an error on our licensing agreement for Wellington Public Hall. And it was an error that wasn't our fault. The The council put their hands up and said, we missed this. We thought that we had this right, but it mm. turns out that we don't have a full wrestling license. We were covered for boxing but we admit we told you that yes you were covered and you weren't and for that we apologize but because it's been pointed out i can't in all good conscience let the show go ahead because it would be unlawful we're not allowed to do that so we were in a bind and we said well you need to find us a new venue because you've got 24 hours basically right and they couldn't find us a new venue all of the local theaters and uh, and halls were taken and they basically the, the, the council said look we'll offer you a full refund but there's nothing we can do we know that there are 300 fans that are hopefully are due to turn up and um what you know what do we do so within the space of kind of an hour of frantic phoning around steve happened upon the idea of our local leisure center which is the place that you know we first did all of our swimming lessons and um our school gym lessons and all the all that kinds of stuff and um is a big venue so he phoned them. They liked the idea, but they had to get the kind of say-so of their governor, their boss. Um, he agreed. And at 9 p.m. that night, I drove to that venue to pay the deposit to book the venue for the following night. So this is Friday night. Our show starts at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. I'm handing over the deposit. Fantastic. All I've got to do now is spend the rest of the night redirecting traffic to the new venue. <laughs> so um, I reprint posters saying the venue has moved. If you haven't heard online, then please go to the next venue. So I put those up at the old venue. Then I spend the evening on the phone, texting, calling, emailing, Facebooking, tweeting, um, every which way we can network. My phone bill was over £200 for that month, and it Ow. usually comes in at about £45. Mm. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Um, so we spend that night moving everything over and everything was set. And uh, I start work on Saturday in my day job, knowing that everything's cool, already drained from what, what went on. And lo and behold, at four o'clock on the Saturday, I get a call from Steve to say, it's happened again. And uh, the police had been called and sent to the new venue to check their license. Uh. And and the uh, it was quite evident at that point that we'd picked up a stalker or somebody that was making it their mission to cancel the show mm. by hook or by crook, a show which was set to raise a lot of money for Cancer Research UK. Um, we'd, we'd been given items from all over the wrestling community to auction off at the show for Cancer Research. Bret yes. Hart, had re- we'd reached out to Bret Hart and he'd sent us a, a set of his signed shades um, TNA were incredibly generous sent a load of merch over um, original artwork um, I had comic book artists sending me pages um, Taylor Pithers donated a Leno U page that he bought only six months earlier it was ridiculous you know it was um, it was just going to be an amazing thing to do and it just seemed so sad that somebody had, had kind of made it their mission to, to ruin it for everyone so at the moment it's four o'clock the show starts at seven and I now have the second venue telling me that they're spooked and the fact that the police have turned up at the show has put them off and they want to give me back my deposit and we now don't have a venue. By this point, I've got the most expensive card that we've ever put together already travelling to the show, so they will need expenses. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and a bunch of fans sending me pictures of all the signs that they've been making for the last you know two, three days and... Everyone's ready for this show. Um, so at that point, I was spent. And, and Steve doesn't like to remind me, but points out that I may have said, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this, is just, this is just too much. And, and I was just drained. And Steve on the phone said, give me 10 minutes. And he put the phone down. And uh, 10 minutes later, he phoned me and he said, I've got one. I'll send you the address. <laughs> so this will be venue number three. Venue three in twenty within twenty four hours. So he texts me the address, and it's um, a a working man's club in sort of the north of the town that we live in, owned by our old dinner lady from our school. So we call in a favour. We say, listen, how would you fancy? just over 200 people cramming into your venue in the next hour and a half. And she said, yes, please. Can we bring a ring? Yep. Go on then. So we did. Um, and yeah, so I reprint, I print a second poster to put over the, sorry, I print a third poster (laughs) to put over the original two. Then I have to print another one to stick up at the second venue, just in case people haven't got the message to move from the second to the third. Oh my and the text and the email was keep this off open social media because somebody is out to ruin this. Um, subsequently, we've heard of fans giving other fans lifts in the boot of their car. Um, myself and Steve and Lee drove to the first two venues in convoy to pick up fans and drive them to the show. Um, the venue was designed to carry about 175 people. We crammed about 225 people um, in and we raised the roof. <laughs> I mean, I think we rang the bell at about ten past seven. Um, but these people followed the trail, um, and and forevermore for me anyway. It kind of cemented 
that determination or trust that they had in us. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we thank them for it. And, and just, it, it was um, both draining and exhilarating. Um, and it took us months to kind of get that into perspective. The fallout of course was huge. Um, I think the person that put the calls in and tried to, to ruin the show didn't quite grasp the, journalist people that were in the room at the time mm-hmm. um the people that would be interested and and made noise about it online um so the backlash was was pretty immense but um mm. it was a special night it was a special night for all of us and um i think it, it shows on the dvd um and uh yeah it's it's one that we we're, we're extremely proud of um and i think this show sort of kind of mark, it, it's almost like this is our second anniversary but for me it marks a year since that happened um so it will be extra special you know to to be home and be back at you know our regular venue yes um for that show but, with, uh, with a proper license oh yeah well the gutter thing is the proper license of course was amended and was available on the tuesday morning but there was no good to us on the saturday <laughs> 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 but um yeah that was an interesting one Can you let everybody know where they can find FPW? Sure. Um, you can find FPW online at um, futureprowrestling.com. Um, our biggest presence is our Facebook page, uh, which, of course, is Future Pro Wrestling. Um, there's thousands upon thousands of photos on the Facebook page. If you just click on albums, we separate them by um events um and also matches as well so you can go and find that show that i was just talking about and see the conditions everyone was crammed into and see how crazy it all was so that was that was um that was may 2000 and uh 2012 but um yeah go to future pro wrestling on facebook and um, we're on twitter which is fpw uk so at fpw uk yeah um track us down on youtube future pro wrestling on youtube um there's a load of videos on there lots of high spots lots of full matches as well um, we're we're all over the place. Matt, thanks for stopping by the show, man. I appreciate it. Had a great time talking to you. Like I said, it's been too long, and uh, and we got to do this more often. We have to talk about you next time. Uh, nobody wants to hear about me, dude. Oh come on! <laughs> nobody wants to hear about. Come on, me. there's all kinds of stuff. I, there's lots of things I need to know about Sean Pryor. I haven't <laughs> I haven't written any of them down as yet. Well, but, um, I tell you what, I tell you what. When you get your show back up and running, I'll yeah. swing on by. Hey, and we'll get Taylor in as well. Oh, Lord. I get jealous of you too, you know. It's terrible. It, it'll phone me and go, Matt, I spoke to Sean yesterday for like two hours. Like, yeah, yeah, about hip hop. I wouldn't have been able to keep up. Like, yeah, but, you know, I still talk to him. You haven't. Like, yeah, thanks. Cheers, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Cheeky uh, bastard. <laughs> continue best to uh, you and the entire FPW crew. Thanks, man. Cheers. I'll pass it on. And that concludes this week's Black Box. The Black Box is a member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com, where you can download previous episodes of this podcast, as well as Donnie Salvo's Tales from the Attic and John Carroll's The Carroll Chronicles. This podcast is also available on iTunes. The Black Box is also a member of the Comics Podcast Network. If you're on iTunes or the Forum for Geeks board, feel free to leave us a comment. You can also reach the podcast at blackboxpodcast1 at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next episode, dream big, hustle hard, and never stop.